0: Hi, it's Wednesday, day after Shavuos, on the backlog, as you can imagine, because it's the beginning of the week, so to speak, and um, I'm almost in the middle of marking papers for college, but I did commit to doing a talk today for Levy, so I'm going to do it now, because today, for Jacob and Mattel Levy, who I saw on Shabbos, I mean on on Yontem, they were here, Right, they're living up in Muncie, and um this is for her father. This is Mattel's father, Lila Nishmas Eli Rosenthal Ben It's the six years. I thought it was three years. I told Yaakov. Right, time passes, and he was a person with exemplary mitos who found happiness in life in the simple things, his family, his friends, learning, davening Shabbos, yontif. That should be said by all of us, taught by example. And as the family wrote, his influence is still among those who knew him. Can't get better than that. That should be said by all of us. Um, I'm going to do the Haftarah, because this is the first thing that comes to mind. It doesn't matter what order we go in. And uh, this week, because as you know, NAS is very long, and I'm uh, snowed under with work right now. Uh, I hope to pull myself out But I have to prepare a, a series of lectures in the history of Yiddish. I got a lot on the plate. Let me simply say this. The haftorah is Shimshon. That's easy, but it's very complicated. Uh, What I mean is, when I say easy, everybody knows the story of Shimshon, more or less. Um, And this is the haftorah. There's no haftorah about the uh, complicated part of Shimshon. I'm sorry. Somebody just stopped me. Uh, But everybody knows uh, Shimshon is a very controversial figure. I think the most controversial, possibly. Certainly in the Book of Shoftim. Uh, but there's no Haftar about him and Delilah, there's only Haftar about his birth. That's his Swiss Parsha, and the reason for that is since we have Pasha Parsha, also about Nazir, you can't get a more famous Nazir than Shimshun. Now everybody knows, as I said before, Shimshun is a very controversial uh, figure, and his story is a non-normal story. I use the word normal in the literal sense of conforming to norms. And uh, one of the hardest things to do is try to give a halachic uh, analysis of Shimshin's story. Not necessarily that that's the way to go, but a halachic analysis of the Shemshen story. Now, um, they do, or attempts are made. It's very hard. After all, he's involved with all these women who seem to be not Jewish, and Stalman said, what are you doing, hanging around women? And how come Shimshin didn't just marry a regular Jewish girl, a nice girl from Beis Yaakov, you know, when he was young or something like that? Um... You know, living a normal life, and maybe he did. By the way, the stories we know of the three geisha women do not necessarily comprehend the totality of the story of Shimshin. Among other things, it tosses the story is written in a very funny way. It, it tell about the uh, the Timna woman, you know, the, the woman he picked up in, in Las Vegas, and then the uh, the, the Zona in uh, Gaza, then Delilah. That's not necessarily. I hope I imagine that's not the whole story of Shimshin. It says he judged Israel for twenty years. That's interesting, and there are no bad things to say about his conduct as a judge, which is pretty good. Because the Tanakh is pretty critical, as we all know, and if he did anything uh, incorrect as a shofet, it would be there. One imagines, and so the fact that says he judged Israel for what, twenty years, and there's no tidings against it, mean that in the Choshen Mishpat side, he was very good, as one would expect. The only thing is, he got involved with these the the, the Book of Judges goes to the trouble of telling us his adventures with these three Gai'sha women. Basically, there are four stories of Shemshin. A, our Haftorah today, which is the miraculous birth of Shemshin. By that I mean that um, the angel, of course, comes to his parents who are childless, as we all know. You know this is not the first time we've seen this Torah. Then they say, you will bear a child, but I don't even want the mother to drink wine. The mother should be like a Nazir, but from the time she conceives. So, Kodesh Merechem is the term they use. Even from the time he's there... He's going to be a Um and, you know, uh, extreme. So, no haircuts except at uh, infrequent intervals, and no wine, and no this, and, no, you know, Nazir can't go near a dead body. Uh, precisely because Shimshin has all these restrictions, it's a happy hunting ground for the Pilbillists and the Halakhic guys. I've done my share over the years in Tver and whatever. Um, here's one. If, she, if he was a Nazir, how could he kill all the Philistines? When you kill somebody, it's a Maga, right? And, uh, you know, it could be... Maybe the uh, the Gaishan thing is not, you know what I mean, in, in an Ohel. On the other hand... Um, on the other hand, you know, Shimshin... If you touch him, then you are tummy. So, how could he go against the Torah and be Mitami? <laughs> because when you kill somebody, you're touching him. Now... Not to be funny, there are all kinds of ways of getting around that. If you want to have fun, for example, he killed him with the jawbone of an ass. So he didn't kill him with a metal. Metal would be called kehara. Maybe the jawbone of an ass is not. Another way the Gemara says this is he decked him. He developed a shimshin judo thrust, in which it leaves you a a right, <laughs> All right, you whack the guy in the head. Within five seconds, he's dead. Oh, but during those five seconds, I withdrew. So I deck you with a judo chop or something like that a Samson shop, and then after I do that, you're gone in five seconds, but meanwhile, I'm not physically holding you at the moment of expiration, so I wasn't over. Yeah, you do that kind of thing, right? It's kind of cute if you like that. I do. Uh, there are other explanations. Uh, it happens to be that there's a nice safer. came out not long ago, which I think I mentioned once, I picked up really not long ago, called Nach Ora Aloha. Which is what it sounds like. It's published by the most Rev. cook, by some from a guy in Israel, uh, Rabbi Yisrael Levi. I have no idea who he is. It's Diver, It's a very from sort of thing. I think it came out in 2018. Right? It came in 2018. And since it covers the book of Yeshua and Shotam, and I am looking forward that this guy, who I do not know at all, should continue this and do Shmuel and Melanchem and so forth and so on. I like the style that he does it. And um, he collects from all different sources. And among them are some questions about Shimshin from that point of view. Now, I'm, I'm going to try to transcend it, but meanwhile, I just want to call your attention to it. One of which is, Mammoshno gave Torah Torah today. And that is, um, let me see over here. Gidra Shal Nazir Hashimshon. Right, I'm not going to read it length, but um, you can't be a Nazir unless you declare yourself to be a nazir. Perhaps a father may do so. You know, that's all in the gemar and nazir, which is a complicated gemar. But an angel can't do it. So from a halachic point of view, how can you say, I declare you a uh, no, uh, kodesh yumi and he'll be a nazir. I mean, you didn't satisfy the halachic requirements that Shemshin should take upon himself to be a nazir, even as a young child, and can't even do that. So His father would have to do it. It doesn't say the father did it. Unless you presume that he did, I guarantee you the Rosh and the Rambam. There are people who talk about this kind of case. Mishnah. There, you know, there are there are people that speak about all this, right? I'm just looking at the headlines. Tears Harash When his bar took it upon himself, and so on and so forth. So that's a question at the halachic level. How can somebody be declared here? Obviously, this is trans halachic. Is that can I use that term? Pan halachic. Um, we're dealing over here with something divine. And if an angel came down to do so it's not your regular case. I'll use the word shab, even though it's not the right word to use, but many of you will understand what I mean by that. It's an exception. And similarly, you know, Shimon uh, killed people and all this. I mean, God sent it to him to do it. The problem they have is with the women. And the Mishnah says, mita he sinned with his eyes, therefore the Philistines uh, gouged out his eyes. It was a me and he kind of acknowledged that, because at the end, when he's dying, you know, and he pulls down the pillars of the temple, he says, "You don't have to restore my sight; just God, give me my strength back to take these guys down with me." Literally, Thomas it's become a the slogan, right? Thomas Plistum, suicide bomber, right? Now, in all these cases, we have a funny situation, because was he right? Was he wrong? Did he know what he's doing? I'll tell you something that always bothered me, and that is, there's a very famous Rambam. I'm sure I've mentioned it many times. In uh, I'm sure, where the Rambam talks about Shlomo Melch and Shimshon, I almost know it by heart. I'm just sitting here doing it by heart. it says, "Al yalla al Shimshon That's the words of the Rambam in Yud Gimel Serbia, It's very famous. Don't even think for a second. That Shimshon, who saved Israel, and Shlomo was called a friend of God, married Gai'sha women, unconverted. So if the Rambam tells you "al yal it means it's al He's bavoning you, as they say in Yeshivas. You know what I mean? "Al don't think. Why would I think? Because it certainly sounds like it, right? You read the story, and Shimshon. I assume most of you know what I'm talking about. As a young man, tells his parents, "I saw this girl in Vegas." In the Geisha town. What are you doing in Vegas, Bakal? Right? And uh you know, what are you hanging around there for? And what are you talking to Geisha women for? Now how do you fall for this girl? And he says, Take her from me for a wife, and the parents say, Don't you have a Jewish girl? Hey, Mama say those words. Right? Uh Vayermilo <laughs> no Jewish girls you have to take from the Uncircus Philistines? And Shim says, Cahli Pashim Shat means, I like right. her. You don't tell me who to marry? Talking back to the parents. By the way, very non-traditional. In the old world, usually the parents tell you who to marry. I mean, in the old days. Right? Not him. Now, the thing is, the next Pashim is extremely enigmatic and has been productive of a whole literature of interpretation. And it says, "This is in, uh, for those of you who know, this is chapter 14 of the book of Shovtun. His parents didn't realize that Shemshem was seeking an excuse to the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were dominating the Jews. So from the military point of view, the Jews were under uh, domination, occupation by the Philistines. Remember, um, Shimshon from the tribe of Don. I know you know that. But you probably don't know that the Don geography is interesting because the tribe of Don was originally north of the Gaza Strip. Exactly where the rockets are falling as I'm, I'm talking to you. It's funny. Samson is fighting the Philistines in Gaza. Doesn't that sound weird? I'm talking about that during the week when Israel is having a war with Gaza. That place had been bummer for the Jews for 3,000 years. Shemshin always having trouble with them. Right? And um, and he falls for Egyptian, a Philistine girl at least once, maybe more. Actually, for sure, twice, maybe more. So at that time, the Philistines were stronger militarily than the Jews. I won't go into the reasons why now. And um, the way, the from way of interpreting it is to say, I guess he's a Victor Miller and the uh, Dessler, all those kind of places. Uh, Samson's struggle from Rabbi Weiss. And that is, look, you couldn't come out and, and, and openly attack the Polishtin, because they would retaliate on the Jews. They would kill a bunch of Jews. The Nazis had this they had this problem when there was uprising in the Covenant, again and these other places. There were some ghettos in which the Jews said, don't do this, they'll kill us all. Now, I understand the two sides of this, and maybe the young people right, because the Germans were going to kill them all anyway. But, when you're dealing with the type of person who says, if you commit a terrorist act to me, I will literally exterminate your whole group, that's an answer you, there's, no, there's no answer to. You understand? I mean, when the Lithuanians, the other guys tried to uprise against Stalin, he said, I'll just kill everybody. <laughs> he meant it. The Russians have done that in their history to the Chechens and others, right? Circassians. So, you know, if Simpson would go against the Plishin, the Farish, then they would come out and wipe out the Jews. So he had to look like it was so on to whom Avakim pushed him. He was looking, as Rashi says, Alilol, his correspondent. He was looking for a good excuse to get into a quarrel with the Philistines, not making it look like it's Jewish uprising, but instead make it look like it's a personal vendetta, because the story is he he's, he was going to marry this uh, girl from Timnah, and how you worked that out. And by the way, maybe he married her. I repeat, the Ramam says, don't think that Shimshon and Shlomo married Noshim Nachriz Begoyusan, but rather they married women after they converted them. Although the Rambam does admit their conversion stunk. Right? But technically it was a good conversion. Here's these words. There's a lot to talk about in that Rambam, by the way. Because he talked. He starts by talking about Shimshon and Shlomo. Then he has all reiches there in Gimel history, about Shlomo. Shlomo, he says there were no Gerasetics. They didn't believe it at the time of David and Shlomo because Jews were so powerful and wealthy and therefore they didn't want to take any converts and Shlomo circumvented him by doing a basin shell head yotos, and Shlomo, 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 it's all about Shlomo, and his wives later on, went bad, and they built churches, it's all about Shlomo. What about Delilah? What about the woman from Timna? What about Shemshin's story? The Rambam, I remember this, doesn't get around to Shemshin until at, at the end of that whole little uh, discourse of his. He says, Because they had a formal conversion, you know, uh, even though, obviously, it wasn't a great conversion. Nobody's going to say, Delilah became a firm Gid. I think you can pose, I have no trouble, <laughs> the day after Shavuus, as posing as opposites, as antipodes, Ruth and Delilah. <laughs> right? Ruth is the real thing. Delilah is the opposite. Or the woman from Timna. Or the prostitute from Gaza. I think they're the opposite of Ruth. So, a formal conversion maybe they had. The Rambam argues. Others say not. It's a whole discussion. Again, you know, uh, that's like a sheer. Uh, which to say what? Um, and some to say that the was Jewish. I think there's an opinion like that. Although most say she was a guy. So you end up with a very weird situation. And Shimshim, by getting himself involved all these women, he could get involved in vendettas against the Philistines for messing with him and his wife, which is a long story to happen with his first wife, for example. And when he goes and kills them and blows up their their fields and things like that, it's just looked upon Philistines as a personal vendetta, and the other Jews could say, "Listen, we don't control him. The guy's nuts. He's not one of us. After all, he ran off with a guyish woman. You know, he he looks weird because he's another. He never took a haircut. So don't bl- don't hold us responsible." And that's the theory. That's the frum interpretation. I'm serious. That's the Haredi interpretation of Shimshon's story. Um, but it's extremely weird, right? Um, and like I say, at the most, you'll say he started out one way, got in over his head, as the expression goes. But at the end of the day, it's extremely weird. So I want to say the following. This occurred to me a you know, little by little over the years. Um, instead of asking the question, "How do you fix our parsha," which talks about kodesh me with the story of Shimshin who doesn't seem to be living a life of Kadosh Marecham, I would flip it and do the other way around. Knowing what Shimshin's destiny was going to be, why did God say he should be a Kadosh And the way I would pose it, or think of it, the way I do think of it these days, I'm at this stage in my life. At other times in my life, I thought about it differently. I'm telling you I'm thinking now. Because I know the story the question how you evaluate it, right? And um, the way I would evaluate it would be as follows. Um, and listen closely. Think of, El- we have what we call national security needs. National security needs. Imagine an Eli Cohn scenario. A guy in Israel has these guys. Ellie Cohn was caught. Others are not caught. That's why you never heard of him. Israel have these guys and they have to have to infiltrate Arab headquarters and live their whole lives among the Arabs. And they'll get married and have children all the rest of it. They have such people. This has been recorded. And they have to. Deep in the bowels of um, the Palestinian society and the other societies. That means you'll take a Jewish guy, right? And you'll basically say, look, we have a mission for you, and you're going to live your life in the enemy camp, so we have a high mission for you, it's going to be a tough, it's a life of personal sacrifice. But we need you to do it. And let's say the guy said, I'll do it. He's a patriot. Now, here comes a great thing. That means the guy's going to have to live in Syria and Egypt and Gaza, wherever. You're going to have to eat the Arab food. You have to marry an Arab woman. You even have Arab children. You get it? If you don't go through the whole business, the, the disguise is not going to work. So I'm going to say for somebody like that. I say, can we do this? That is an interesting question. Can you beat the spine The enemy headquarters. When that will obviously require, you know, violating the mitzvahs, including the eating one, the sexual one, all the mitzvahs. But you're doing it for a reason. We have such figures in Jewish history, um, Esther, according to the Pashim shot in Rashi. Ate a ham, bacon. Rashi says, in um, Akasharish's palaces, uh, not Toses, but Rashi. It was. Ba- I remember. It's bacon. Why she had to do it? It's national security. It's her Rasha. No, this is not for you. It's not for me. It's for a national security. Special emergency. Seriously, suppose a guy. If you have trouble with this, suppose I told you, I'll make it easy for you. Suppose I told you it's World War Two. And somebody has to infiltrate Hitler's headquarters, and he can save a belt of Jews, but he's going to have to dress and act like a guy, and marry a guy, and obviously live like them, and so on and so forth. You hear what I'm saying? So, is there a national security header? It's not for everybody, Like right? That's for sure. But in this case, there's a reason. Not doing a stamizni and the Beltarine. There's a reason. Would you say yes? Um, that's interesting, right? Now, by the way, I would say yes. Now, I'm, <laughs> nobody's asking me. But I'm saying, I'm, there's no question in my mind. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. But Ellie Kohn was a religious guy. I'm sure they asked a Goran, whoever it was. And this is a special case. Uh, we find in the Gemara not exactly this, but they find that, you know, for national security, they allowed. Um, the students, Some students are going to learn Chachmas Yivanus, and so on and so forth. Sometimes a special case. So Shemshin, not a spy exactly, but part of his whole plan, or his own way, of saving the Jews, involves living among the Philistines, with Philistine women. So I repeat, it's uh, from the public point of view, it's the Chil Hashem. But let's say there was a Sanhedrin at that time. Let's just say, it was actually, on Sanhedrin, according to the tradition. They'll say, Listen, we need we need this. I need a heter to go and live among the Philistines to marry a Philistine woman, this, and the other. And here's the reason I'm doing it: it's to save Jewish lives, many Jewish lives, and so forth. I could hear somebody would say no. I can always hear somebody say yes. Because you're not doing some development, you're doing it for a real reason. Um, there are other cases recorded like this in Jewish history. But Queen Esther is a classic example. After all, she lived with the king. Uh, you know, some say karkolam, but there's other approaches. And I remember Nodb Yudda talks about the fact she did a lot. It's always you yisrael. And I may say the Queen Esther is not unique over the course of Jewish history. Unfortunately, sadly, there have been times in different places and different communities where Jewish women, Jewish girls were called upon to uh, become the mistress of a king or something like that to, to save the rest of the Jews. So, here you have somebody whose destiny and fate, God knows beforehand, is going to be a most unusual Shofit. He ain't going to be some guy sitting in the base mesh all day long, stomping the belt the Now, Simpson was a great Tom Chacham, after all, he was the head of the Sanhedrin. That's what they see. If you go down the line, the a Shofit. doesn't mean he's a circuit judge in upstate New York, you know, right? Shofit means he was the head of Calhoun Theran, the Sanhedrin, so, as we would say today, knew how to learn uh nevertheless circumstances were such that he found himself compelled to you know act in this way or that way that would be the reason why he did what he did that's why he ran up with the with the, with the woman from Timna as the pusik says so on the humavakish meplishtim. um that would be and by the way if you look closely he doesn't quite marry her it says they got engaged and then he went for the marriage and by the t- and they had a bachelor party of so and so many days. By the time the bachelor party's over, the whole thing blew up and he never married her. And in spite of what I just said, the puzzle always refers to Aisha Shimsham. Right? Aisha Shimsham. Which sounds like they were married. So it's like weird. And then he goes after so and so many years. By the time it's over, he kills her he, he destroys the the, the, her boyfriends, and, the, and they they burned her and her father at the stake. So in other words, he wasn't married to her. The Philistines killed her. But then he goes to this Zona in Gaza. And again, I see some of Farshim said he married her. It don't sound like that. Unless he married her. This are you marrying? A zona in Gaza? But again, you could say that it's all part of the plan because the Philistines surrounded the house, and he freaked him out by building the cities. Of the, um, of the what do you call it? Of the uh gate of Gaza. I'm telling you, this is quite a week to talk about the Samson story because we have all the fighting in Gaza. Um, uh, he went to Gaza and ripped the gates out. Maybe they'll call it Operation Shimshin or something like that. Uh, they better not call it Operation Zona. Now, the third time is Delilah and she took him down, as we all know, and it sounds like. He fell for her. So, that might be the story, which is that, you know, he's supposed to not fall for the wife. If you're the Israeli spy that I just described before, you have a tough emotional situation. Ellie Cohn had this. You know, they don't show these in the movies and all that stuff, but he was involved with all these Arab women when he was in Damascus. Because he had to be. you He had to be. And, um... All I can tell you is that, um, you know, how he worked this out in his own family left because he had a Jewish wife at home. Who knows? Uh, I know they did some movie recently, and I read somewhere that they left that out not to hurt the family. I get it. I get it. But you know what I'm saying, which is that the whole story is it, it, it rips you out emotionally. And in order to be a successful spy, you have to be totally... Uh, what's the right word? Non-emotional. Right? Now, in the case of Delilah, this is how I understand the story. I can only really tell you how I understand it. Here he lost it. Because the Pasuk says, He fell in love. Why does the Pasuk say that word? Right? If he's only doing it to get to Plishem, why does he say he fell in love with her? The answer is it's Moshe, it can happen. You understand? He originally, I'm sure, planned that this will be one of these professional relationship situations so he can go get the Philistines. He obviously intended somehow or the other to use Delilah to do a repeat of the vendetta and destroy the Philistines in some other way, using her as an excuse. Meanwhile, along the way, he fell for her. Um, He fell for her and Sheetaka took him down and in other words, he looked at her. That's why he's blinded. It's the that they were having in mind. Because he actually fell for her. Which is what they mean in the front books where he said he had a chesham, but he made a mistake. A would be, you know, I'm doing this for professional espionage purposes. Espionage is not the right right word, but you know what I mean. For purposes of, um, and it got out of hand. So he, as as we would say today, He was a tightrope walker. He had a very hard um, job ahead of him. The job was to hang around the police, get involved with all these people, and not actually fall for them emotionally. It's very hard. Human beings are built in such a way that I don't think there's such a thing as a friendship between a guy and a girl. Usually, it develops. It's how it goes. That's why in Judaism in the firm world, we're so hyper and extremist on separation of the sexes. You know, everybody's complaining all the time. And we go overboard. Nevertheless, better overboard the theory goes than underboard. Because if you have too much, too little, there's no such thing as a regular friendship. Ah, yeah, it's a very politically incorrect thing to say. Let it be. But the fact of the matter is, relationships blossom and develop. It happens all the time. It's so, it sort of has like a, 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 a logic of its own. So one would have to be an incredibly ruthless figure. Um, and believe me, the spy services train their spies nowadays to be incredibly ruthless figures so as to totally take advantage of their, um, you know, uh, girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever, completely cynically, and be prepared to cut their throat in a second. Uh, there are plenty of spy services there that do that. But there are many novels and stories where, along the way, it was supposed to be a completely objective relationship, and the guy fell for the girl, the girl fell for the guy. That's what seems to have to be. Because the Apostle goes to tell you, Why doesn't it simply say, It doesn't say that by the, by the, what do you call it, by the, in the previous chapter. It says, Gaza. doesn't say he fell for her, or he loved her, or anything like that. So there, you have an object, and he had a plan. But here it got out of hand, and the result was what it was. Now, um, so therefore, let, let, so let me make the point this way. So Hashem, seeing this beforehand, and knowing what his destiny is, tries to fortify him by making him a nozer before birth, so that he's going to grow up from day one to live an extremely disciplined lifestyle. Because a nozer, especially if you're a nozer from a kid, is a hard life. You can't do what the others do. You can't go where the others go. you other can't become tummy. Obviously, yes. Stay away from all kind of booze. You know things like that. That's a that's a hard life. Which ordinarily, the more even says it so it requires such self discipline. It's almost an avera to do unless you do it Mama We all know this. And yet he was told he's going to be another with no choice. Shemshen is a case of haka gigas. He's told he has to be this way. The hope is that when someone is raised in this way, I don't want to be vulgar, but you have the makings of a perfect secret agent. You understand? Or somebody who's towing him, of he should please him. He's someone who's going to be able to hold him in full, to be able to intermingle with the Philistines, mess them over in vendettas and things like that, uh, so-called vendettas, without the blame falling to the Jewish people, without you personally getting involved in because you can control everything, if you can be a nozir and never take a haircut, never touch a drop, stay away from anything tummy, any bodies, and this side and the other, then um, pretty, it's it's like a certain school of discipline, self-discipline. In which case, it's quite remarkable because it, it worked until it didn't work. Even the best regimen, kodesh me even the best regimen of, of nozir worked. For round one, the woman from Timna. Round two, the woman from Gaza. But it didn't work on the round three from Delilah, from Delilah. There's quite a story. Right? Quite a story. And and Shimshin knows this obviously. At the end of his life, he has a remarkable scene. And I'm crazy about this Ralbag Because again, by the way, if what I'm saying is true, do you have all these cautions. How could he marry? Go this, that, and the other. It was a national security spy type thing, right? So, you know, he had his hector, as it were, and he wasn't taking advantage of it. He was really using it to save clothes well, until he until he stumbled, because that's a professional hazard. You know, anytime you have a male-female relationship, it's a professional hazard. That's why I don't mean to the greatest people, and he acknowledged this, and he said, I don't need my sight back Notice know this. was Moda. That's what the Mepharsham say. He didn't ask for his sight back. He said, I understand why this happened to me. I'm a Kabo. You understand? Know he did a up. I'm a Kabo. But he said, Thomas Napshim, Plishan. Let me kill them all. Now, there's a, again, from the normative literature. Uh, they asked, how could Shemshin commit suicide? How could Shemshin commit suicide? And um, they had different answers. I love this. Raabag, who says, you're not allowed to commit suicide. You know, I know the story of Shaul and all you can compare. I'm putting that aside. The Raabag says, you're not allowed to commit suicide. He didn't care. He wanted to take down the Plishtim who were the enemies of K'lali's throw He's willing to give up his own olam Tomos nafshin Plishtim. I don't care if my nefesh goes down. Those are both Shalom. You can finish me off. The fear go straight to Gehenem. I'm ready to do it right, to take down these mamsers because I know what they're doing to my people. In which case, he did the supreme sacrifice. Give gave up his own habo. That's a high, it's a sin with a high level, I guess you'd call it. You know, we all talk about the famous story of Vilna Gong who says, I'll give the asterisk away. You know, the story the lady says, I want the scar or something like that. Asterisk is an asterisk. Here we talk talking about Thomas Narsha and him and he did die. But he took down it says many more people he took down more plishtim than than uh when when he pulled the the, the pillars down than he killed in his lifetime that that's what it says, right It says he says uh, Just give me one more strip a uh, uh, shot of super strength and now I'll take the comumber from the plishtim prize. And um, here it is. He took down more than, than he'd taken his lifetime. We who are fighting the Gaza the Strip today you know, have an idea what it's like. He's one of these guys said, if I can save the rest of the Jews and take these guys down, because otherwise they'll never go away. The problem will never settle itself. So he dedicated his life to the Jewish people. He was given a very hard job the Kaddish Mirechem, the Zionist. The whole Haftorah today is to inoculate, is to inculcate in him a harsh self-discipline, which is um, again Mirechem, you know, from the time he's a baby, harsh discipline, which would hopefully enable him to carry out the task without stumbling. He did two out of three, and he, and he messed up on third base. You understand? He owned up to it, and you know that God agreed because he gave him the super strength at the end to take the pillar down. He prayed to God to do this. Hashem agreed. Uh, Did he give up his olam haba? He said he did. Now you and I know, especially from a Hasidic perspective, (laughs) the highest levels you give up your olam haba, for that you get olam haba. (laughs) That's what we would say today. He comes across a remarkable figure. And precisely because the Naziris is seen over here, if I'm right, as like I said before, you know, like a spy school, a commando school. Um, it's very harsh. And we all know that the uh, Shimon Asadi said nobody should do a a, um, a Nazir, unless you're an unusual person. He only saw one Nazir do it the right way. Well, now I just told you to. Right? I told you to. It's true, Shimshin had some problems in his career, but he, he tried his best. And that that's what it seems... Um, it's talking about in today's Torah. Uh, Either way, it's a strange story. To me, that makes the best sense as a Mahalach in this year of Tav Shem Pe'al. With that, I wish you all a good Shabbos. Again, I wish the Levis, thanked thank them for the sponsorship, and I did the Shalom should have to and tell his father, uh, it's a fine person. With that, I bid you all a good day. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbydovidkatz.com.